The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. If you are caring for a person with autism, great information from a trusted source can be a lifeline. Welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio. We are here to have the conversations that will help you create success for the extraordinary individual with autism in your life. Now, here is your host, Rob Haupt. Hey, welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio, everybody. I'm your host, Rob Haupt. I am the Vice President of Business Development at Autism Spectrum Therapies. We're an agency providing therapy to individuals with autism and related disorders across the country. Uh, I myself am an ABA guy, uh, have 12 years experience working with kids with autism and adults with autism, providing behavior analytics services, and I'm also a board-certified behavior analyst, uh, something that you guys already know I'm really proud of and uh, oddly enough really uh, impacts my life in many ways, uh, as my wife will say. She feels like I don't always turn off the, the ABA switch when I look at the world. Um, you know, I, I really, before we get into the show, I, I was prepping today and I was kind of laughing. You know, we had this physical fitness show last week and we got to talk, talk to Mike, which was really cool. And I, I, you know, I walked away from the show feeling like, yeah, I'm going to go get him and be active and, and I'm going to do the same things. And I haven't done anything. And I, <laughs> just can't help but laugh as I, I sit down and be reminded of that emotion that I really have not been so active. So hopefully next week it, it's, it's better. Um, you know, normally I give you guys kind of like a, a, an experience, a thought, something that's happened to me um, in, the, in the prior week. And, uh, and, and I always try and make it something a little bit different from what we're going to talk about. But uh, today I, I really wanted to take a couple of minutes and almost frame up and tee up the show. Um, and kind of talk about how a thought or an experience really led to the show. Um, you know, one of the things I've been talking about um, with, with the team I work with here uh, on, the, on the show has, uh, has been this news story that's been, that came out uh, not too long ago. And uh, it was about uh, this, this German software company, and they're called SAP. And they um, made this big press release and, and created this really great story about a goal they had. They decided that they were going to go uh, hire people with autism as software testers, programmers, and data quality assurance specialists. Um, and this is a company that's based out of Germany, but they actually provide, uh, they, or I should say they employ over 65,000 people. And one of the cool things that they were talking about is this, this concept, this desire to really hire individuals with autism um, they wanted to start doing this in Germany, and they wanted to expand it to North America later this year. And their goal by 2020 was to employ 1% of their overall workforce be individuals on the spectrum. And, you know, that kind of started this dialogue. And, and it, it was kind of an interesting conversation. We kind of sat back and said, 
this makes a lot more sense. Yeah, and this is already happening in a way that I don't think we're all aware about, which was cool about this story that got picked up by a whole lot of different news outlets. Because like, I've actually been approached by a very large engineering firm. Uh, don't want to get into all the specifics. Uh, but we're going to be going to present to this large engineering company that has offices all across the country, if not the world, and talk to them about autism. And the, the reason we were approached is that they happen to notice and that a number of people who they employ are on the spectrum. And they're great employees doing an incredible job, but it was their HR department that they felt like didn't have the full level of experience and awareness as to how to treat or interact or support their employees with autism. And they wanted to get an education and provide their, their team an education on what is autism and, and how they can do a better job of supporting their employees. And I'm like, this is a really cool thing. Of course I want to do this. And then I've also spoken to a, a large software company that, that we work with, and, and they expressed some similar things. Uh, they, they weren't looking for us to do it. It was something that they've already done. Um, they know that they have a lot of parents who have kids on the spectrum, so therefore they've offered the ABA benefit as well as a number of other benefits under their insurance plan for uh, family members with autism. But they've also created their own internal supports because they too recognize that you know, we have a lot of people on the spectrum who work here and they're great employees and they're doing great work. Um, and then I started thinking about the, the actually story I shared with you guys where I, I got in touch with a, a former – uh, a former client of mine who's now grown up working, living his life. And, you know, I, I tell all these people what an incredible person he is and, and how, you know, at a young age, he's he's already way more successful than I even dreamed I would be uh, and is doing things that people in their early 20s just couldn't imagine doing. He, too, is in the technology field. And, you know, we all talk about so many of our kids are interested in computers, are interested in technology, are interested in gadgets. And as we've spoken on this show many times, our kids' passions are a good thing. It's something to be harnessed and encouraged and incorporated into their education, into their therapies, um, not something that we should run away from. So with all of this said, it seemed like a perfect time to talk a little bit about what this ultimately looked like. And, and how do you ultimately get there? So I am really fortunate to have a guest today who I think is going to be able to give us a ton of insight and a ton of ideas of for the people who this is the right path for, uh, how do you maybe pursue this and, and what kind of potential supports are necessary um, and just allow us to have a really cool conversation that we probably haven't thought about having in quite some time, but one that is a great one for us to have because it just shows the full potential of what our kids can accomplish because they have incredible potential. So with all of that being said, with all of this priming and prep and, and background behind today's show, uh, I want to introduce uh, you guys to my guest today. Uh, my guest is uh, Christy Osland, and she's the coordinator of Student Disability Services at Michigan Technological University. Um, Christy holds a BS and an MFA from Northern Michigan University, as well as an MA from Michigan State, and on top of that, a PhD from Michigan Technological University. 
And when Christy was working on her PhD, she discovered that the reason for her struggles with reading and writing were related to a language processing disorder. Having learned from personal experience the difference that patient teachers and mentors could make versus those who judged her potential based on her struggles, she decided to be the kind of teacher she learned best from, someone who provides hands-on opportunities and practice for learners. After 13 years teaching at universities, an opportunity to work in a more focused way with disabled students opened, and she became the first coordinator of student disability services at Michigan Tech University, a highly competitive STEM university where approximately 12% of the students live with predominantly invisible disabilities. A high percentage of these students are on the autism spectrum, while also living with other invisible disabilities like ADD, dyslexia, obsessive compulsive disorder, and affective disorders such as depression and bipolar disorder. On top of all this, Christy also authored a book. Um, she's the author of Succeeding as a Student in the STEM Fields with Invisible Disability, a college handbook for science, technology, engineering, and math student students with autism, ADD, affective disorders, or learning difficulties, and their families. Christy, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Rob. I'm happy to be here. I, I have to admit, uh, and I'm sure there's at least one audience member, I, I kept reading STEM, and it took me the longest time to figure out that STEM stood for science, technology, engineering, and math. But when I finally figured it out, I was so proud of myself. And I was like, oh, I got it. It was like this, like, crazy puzzle that I couldn't quite solve, yet it was all there right in front of me. It was, it was really funny. Uh, welcome to my world. That happens to me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I, to, to get us started, you know, I, I think this, the, the book you wrote is really cool, and, and I don't know too many out there that are really um, so well-tailored to to, uh, I guess, an environment or to a field of study for our kids. Um, you know, I was hoping you could maybe start off with telling us, like, what prompted uh, you writing this book? Um, a very interesting experience just over uh, about a year ago. I was sitting down with new incoming first-year students, and uh, the majority of them were on the spectrum, and their parents were bringing them in, doing the right things, making sure that they got a chance to meet the person who could support them um, before the parents left for the year. And after meeting with families all day long, I realized that one family stood out because their student was really well prepared. And I was so busy doing orientation with first-year students that I didn't really process that for a few days. Um, but the more I thought about it, the more I thought, wait, if I met with a dozen families and one stood out because they were well prepared, that means that there were like 11 families that weren't particularly well prepared. And we've talked a little bit in um, the school and with my coworkers about the need for maybe a pamphlet or something. But every time I sat down to put together a pamphlet about how families could be better prepared for this transition, it just seemed like there was more and more information they needed. And uh, so when I finally sat down to write it, it became more of a handbook. That's awesome. You know, with this handbook, do you, do you feel like it's really um, based off of your experiences in the job or uh, the ex personal experiences you had, or is there a balance of it? It is a balance, and I should probably mention that um, it's always interesting to me to encounter people who don't encounter disability um, until they are themselves adults. Uh, I grew mm -hmm. up 
around disability. My dad was in special education and my mom was a nurse. And from when I was very young, we would spend summers at special education camps. And Mm. so I've always known people who were disabled. And I've always been aware of the impact without really thinking about it um, that autism and other disabilities have on young people's lives. And so by the time I finally found out I had disabilities, it was just like, well, that that explains that, but it was it was already a part of my life. Um, but I'd also been working as a teacher at a university, mm-hmm. and that kind of had given me a different insight into what it was like to try and learn how to negotiate a system when there are so many unspoken social expectations um, and so many things that students need to be prepared for that they maybe have no experience being prepared for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I began to recognize that it was really helpful when somebody stated the expectations. Mm-hmm. And and when you said, okay, this is why people got upset in this instant, because when you said this, it in, it impacted them in this way. It made them feel bad, or they weren't expecting that. And just by stating very clearly what expectations were, I could see that that really made a difference for a lot of students. And so it kind of was a coming together of personal experience and work experience and just my life history. That's awesome. Well, I want to talk more about the book, and I want to talk more about some of your uh, experiences uh, over the years working with and supporting students. Uh, but we got to take a commercial break. So let's take a break, and we'll come back after this. behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host. For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we see a world where people with autism dream and achieve their full potential. Our promise is to support families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today and let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, supporting extraordinary individuals and their families. Visit autismtherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for our host, Rob, or the guest, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. We're get joined today with uh, Christy Osland, uh, Coordinator of Student Disability Services at Michigan Technological University and the author of a really interesting book, uh, which I will read the title again later, but I kind of want to jump right back into the, uh, it's a big title. Into the it's interview because it's a big title. <laughs> it's a big title, but it's all about supporting students in um, science, technology, engineering, and math studies, uh, particularly those with uh, uh, disabilities such as autism, ADHD, and uh, other learning disabilities. Um, you know, we were talking about the book and talking about, you know, what prompted it. And 
I, I was curious if at any point in time uh, you decided to maybe or, or considered expanding it beyond kind of this STEM, these STEM fields or if, if all along this, hey, I was really passionate about STEM and, and maybe you could tell us why. Um, that was, it was a interesting choice. Uh, I, I also am interested in writing and as a writer, they say target your audience and I knew mm-hmm. that uh, one of the reasons I was targeting the STEM audience is because this is where we for sure get a lot of really high-functioning people, um, people who self-identify as having Asperger's. They're much more likely to be in the STEM fields. So while I have worked at both um, STEM school and a liberal arts school, and a lot of the information in the book would apply to both, I ended up targeting it to STEM because I knew that I wanted to target the students who were maybe the ones who hadn't had to study before they got to college. These were the, the people who are used to being so smart that they don't have to study a lot before they get to college and they're dealing with other really, really smart people. So we're talking about people who are used to being in the top 10% of their class, and then you suddenly bring them together in an institution of higher learning where everybody's used to being in the top 10% of their class, and it's, uh, it's, it raises the level of challenge. Everybody's more challenged, and everybody has to develop a new set of techniques that they maybe have never had to use before. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, I, I'll admit it to everybody. You know, I, I had that same struggle at, when I went to college. Yeah, I, I, was, I always was a very good high school student, but then going to college and being in this whole new caliber of students where, you know, it, all of my classmates were in that same uh, position, you know, I, I struggled. It took me a good two years to really figure out how to relearn and how to rethink um, the studying process and, and how to be a student. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as balance out all the other things that come with living in a in a college dorm and, and being independent and, and away from home. Um, so, how many of these, you know, how much of this is everyday struggles that students uh, across the country are having, and how much of it would you say is maybe unique to the to the population that, that is your audience? Everyday struggle is very much um, a part of it. I, I think what students. It's really exciting, the idea to get out on your own and be an adult yeah. for the first time. That is such an exciting idea. And what we don't stop to think about necessarily is um, the food isn't going to be the food I'm used to. The noises aren't the yeah. noises I'm used to. A lot of young people are not used to sharing bedrooms and bathrooms anymore with anybody other than their family. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they may have grown up with their own bathroom. Uh, bedroom, and all of a sudden they're put in a dorm room, and they're expected to share everything and eat food and have fluorescent lighting, and it gets to be really disturbing. And so the transition that's so exciting, um, a lot of the everyday stuff starts to break down. When you add to that that somebody might be living with um, a condition that requires them to take daily medication, and they no longer have somebody saying, have you taken your medicine yet? Mm -hmm. And they don't have anybody else saying, no, really, you need to get up now to get to class. Mm so some of those struggles are just struggles that all transitioning students are going to face. Yeah. I, I think that's really cool too. It's, it's, you know, that's one of the things that's really exciting to me a, a, about this is this is something that everyone is facing. Um, and so many times we talk about our kids being different. It, it's, it's kind of exciting to think about our kids, you know, our kids on the spectrum being just like every other kid we just need to support them in a different way. But yeah. every kid probably needs support in this, in this transition of their life. 
Right. And and every parent pretty much has to have that um, moment where they realize, okay, I have to sort out uh, how much is just my student, my child complaining to me because I'm the supportive person, mm-hmm. and how much of this is really something I need to be concerned about. And I think right. all families need to remember they're going to maybe initially hear more of the complaints and not get as balanced a picture because they're the safe haven, the person that yeah. a student can run to and say, oh, you wouldn't believe how horrible my professor is and how terrible the food is and how unreasonable my roommate is. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, but it's not all horrible for most part. Right. And that was kind of, you know, that kind of leads into the next question I had for you is, I, I have to assume you're working with the family as well as with the individual, with the student. Um, are you finding that the transition is actually more challenging for the family versus the student? It, it does depend on the family. I do, I okay. do work with a few um, parents who I think the struggle has been much, it's been much bigger transition for them than for their students. Yeah. But it does, it does depend because as you know, um, in every family situation, the dynamics are different, and right. um, how how autism impacts different individuals, and how the families have adapted to that. It's every um, family is unique. So some yeah. families, it's it's hardest for the parents. Some it's difficult for everybody, and sometimes the students are unfortunately think they're doing better than they are, and mm-hmm. they just don't. They're not making the transition quickly enough to be successful. And that's another thing I think it's important for families to understand is that at a competitive university, at most universities, students don't get to try as long as you're willing to pay tuition. Students only get to try for a limited amount of time. And then most schools have policies where if you're not maintaining an adequate GPA or grade point average, we will ask you to leave because we feel we're not doing a service to you um, to have you pay money for classes that you continue to fail. Or, or not complete because you have to keep dropping them. And so students who don't make sufficient progress, no matter how intelligent they are, may have to leave school. And, and that's another thing I think it's really important for families to understand is that preparing your students and yourselves for that transition um, is necessary if they're going to be here long enough to be successful. Yeah. So let's, let's talk a little bit about the... I, there's actually two types of things I want to talk talk about next, but why don't we go with what you just said? Like what 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 are the things up front? You know, I, I've got a high school senior ready for this type of transition. I'm a parent. What can I do to really prepare my student or my child up front for you know leaving home, going to college, starting this type of program or any type of college, really? Yeah. Um, what. And that's actually what you said um, reminds me of a, a point that I think is important. Sometimes sure. students uh, want to jump right into the university that they want to graduate from. And I think mm. more families need to consider the possibility of maybe transitioning through a local school, a community college or a regional university, where they will have more direct contact for a semester mm. or for the first year with their student. Because some students mm. aren't ready for the big jump to total independence with no reminder of anything. Um, so that's one thing to be really honest with yourself about in, say, the senior year of high school as you're looking at your student. Is your student sorry at to, the point... Sorry to jump can, you off, I mean, but I, I wonder, yeah. is that so you can break it down and kind of do the... Because most people at like a local school or a local community college are living at home. Mm-hmm. And so is that so you could kind of say, like, let's get the academic piece 
exposure first, get you ready for that, so then you could tackle the living away from home piece second, and no, that way they're not taking all at once? It's, it's kind of the flip. It's to practice oh. the independent life skills while you still have somebody um, who, you know, if you get to the point where you haven't gotten up for two weeks in a row to go to class, yeah. there's somebody there to intervene. So yeah. it's not that the family is necessarily getting the student up anymore, but the family is standing back and saying, are they able to get up and get themselves going? Are they able yeah. to take their medicine? Are they able to do their laundry? Are they able to set up a personal hygiene routine? Um, it's it's some of the little things like that that uh, can make students stand out in a negative way. If they haven't learned without reminders to maintain their personal hygiene, to keep their laundry done, stuff like that, they'll start to stand out for negative reasons, and nobody yeah. wants that. We don't want students standing out um, because they have a body odor that they aren't taking care of, and it's that happens. And so if your student hasn't had opportunities to practice those independent skills, you might be better off keeping them at home for a semester or in a local community college living in an apartment where you can drop by and, and see how they're doing with those life skills. Nice, nice. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a, a cool tip for everyone is, you know, even though your student may be living at home, um, you may need to take a big step back. Exactly. You know, it, it can't be life as it was in high school. And it's almost like the parent's behavior is what needs to change uh, first so the student's behavior can maybe maintain or generalize um, beyond. One of the things I sometimes remind families is, is or ask them, can your, can your person get themselves to a doctor's appointment by themselves? Can they make a doctor's mm-hmm. appointment? Can they pick up their medicine by themselves? Or are you going to need to continue doing those things? Those are the things that families, sometimes we get so focused on the academics, we, we do forget about, well, all those other little life pieces add up and can become a major obstacle to being successful. Nice. Very cool. That's, that's a really good way of looking at things. I, I, like having those types of tangibles in place, I think, are really good guideposts for our parents and for all of us to say, hey, here's something I can use as a guidepost to compare. Where's my ch- child at in comparison to? And now what kind of work do I need to put in? That's great. Um, well, you know what? We've got a commercial break we, we need to take. But when we come back, we're going to talk more about supporting our students and really preparing them for, uh, for college. So let's take a break and talk more with Christy. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we see a world where people with autism dream and achieve their full potential. Our promise is to support families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today and let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, supporting extraordinary individuals and their families. Visit autismtherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for our host, Rob, or the guest, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Rob Haupt here with Autism Spectrum Radio. We're joined today with Christy Oland. Um, we're talking about supporting our students and our kids um, as they make that tough transition into college. Um, and I, you know, right before the break, you know, we talked about the, the, the before, prepping our kids to be students uh, before they actually get there. And now, of course, the behavior analysis in my mind comes out and, okay, we did the antecedent. Now let's go to the B, the behavior and, and what's really happening. So uh, I, I have to assume that there's different things we can do to support our kids once they're actually in school. And, and so what can parents do in, once their, their student or their child is now enrolled in attending classes? Some of it um, is in some ways really obvious. Listen to your student. Um, and, mm-hmm. again, remember your students are going to have a certain amount of complaining and uh, things things aren't working out the way they expect it to. And part of that is going to be really true because we cannot provide the level of support at college and university that students are used to in a high school. For example, faculty are not going to keep reminding them to hand things in. Um, and faculty may even say things like, I don't care why you're not in class, but if you're not in class, you know, you you lose points for that. Um, and they're used to perhaps um, a more personal relationship. And so, they're again, they're going to have some complaints. But one of the things parents can do is encourage students to keep in communication with their faculty. Students often take for granted that um, everybody knows what they're doing. And, again, I think it's a, a leftover from the system they come from where there's a lot more eyes on them. Now people don't know what they're doing, and if you don't communicate, if you don't send emails to your professors, and I know mm-hmm. emails are old school for most students, but it's still how a lot of professors communicate. <laughs> so uh, most of the time you're wasting your time trying to uh, instant message your professors. You have to mm-hmm. sit down and email them. Let them know that you're going to miss a class. They may say they don't care, but it's still considered a courtesy. Mm-hmm. So if a student's complaining and saying, my professor doesn't understand or my professor won't let me do this, the professor, the Parents can remind the student, okay, have you gone to the professor's office hours? Have you sat down and explained exactly what the situation is? Have you gone to the learning centers? Because most schools now have learning centers that support the classes, um, especially the first-year classes, so the big chemistry and math and English classes. There are learning centers on campus for those. Um, Most of the time, schools are providing free tutoring for students, and the difficulty we run into sometimes with Spectrum students is they're not used to having to ask anybody for help, and they don't want to ask anybody for help. Mm -hmm. Um, They're used to being the smartest people in the room, and so it's really hard to come to grips with the fact that they maybe now have to go talk to somebody. And if they're not comfortable talking to the professor, then the next logical place for them to go is the learning center. If a student is really Mm -hmm. struggling finding the resources that are on campus, that's when a family can step in and say, okay, we're going to do some investigating and see what are the services that are there um, to make sure that our student has made use of what is there. And that may include calling the school's disability service provider and saying, you know, this is, this is what I'm hearing from my student. We're really concerned. Can you give us some direction where to go next? Yeah. You know, you mentioned something before. That I was curious about, and and you talked about this scenario, which is becoming more common. Of the student isn't doing well, but 
but they don't realize they're not doing well. Yes. And I, and I was curious what you do in those situations when, you know, the, the, the communication from the student is things are great, everything's going fabulously, but they're not. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, h- how do you support that? And, and maybe how does a parent go about supporting uh, improving that situation? One of the difficulties for parents um, once their students enter college is that they're not going to have the same kind of access to grades and scores that they had in high school. Right. A lot of high schools, um, faculty now will post assignments, and so prof- um, parents can check every day to see how their students are doing. You can't do that once they're in college. You may be able to get guest access, um, which allows you to uh, check updates, but updates at the college level may only come at midterm and end of term. And so a family may not know what's happening until the end of the semester. And that's, again, that's a really hard piece for families to Mm -hmm. adjust to, especially if they're paying the tuition for their student. And the student is saying everything's fine, and then when the final grades come in, they're not fine. Um, And and that is just a reality of the transition, which, again, is another good reason, I think, for families to consider. If they're not sure that their students are ready for that independence, maybe going to a, a local school that's not as expensive so that if mm-hmm. things don't go well the first semester you haven't sunk 20 or 25,000 dollars into a bad semester. Yeah. Um, yeah but part of it is just you know you, if your students open to the conversation um, ask them to see the syllabus that the each professor bef- provides it's basically a contract between the student and the professor that says this is what you're going to be required to do this semester. This is how many points it's worth. Um, and then you ask the student, okay, what? how many points did you get on this assignment? And if it is always interesting to me because so many of these students are so much better at math than I am, how they can tell me, oh, I'm doing fine, I'm doing fine. And then when I start to ask them, okay, what did you get on this assignment? What did you get on this assignment? And, and then I say, you know, I'm not good at math, but, but fail, fail, fail equals fail. Hmm. Um, so you're not doing okay. You know, wh- where's the magic point where you think that suddenly you're going to be passing this class? Right, right. You know, I, I'm curious about the other side of things. And, you know, w- we've been focusing really a lot on this, the academic portion of this. And I, and I know in, especially in these uh, technology programs and these STEM programs, as you've been talking about, you know, academics is a huge part of it. But I, I was a little curious about if you're seeing um, the social side of things. You know, we've talked about like the hygiene and, and some of those things. And obviously that could impact the social life of a, of a college student uh, greatly. Um, but are you finding that some of these other social things are, are, are popping up and impacting students, whether they be dating, whether it be uh, making friends, um, what kind of things are you seeing there? Social, so, social is, of course, it continues um, to be a big thing for people, and it's one of the things they worry about. One of the things I always find really interesting is that so many students come here and say, this is the first time I feel like I've belonged to any place. Wow. Um, and it's the, you may go to a high school where, where you know, half a dozen other people out of a population of a 1,000 are interested in some of the things you are, here you're suddenly surrounded by people who are interested in similar things. Mm-hmm. And so I have come across um, groups of young people sitting around. Um, I know 
I happen to know because of my work that all of them are on the spectrum and mm-hmm. they're sitting playing a role-playing game with cards or something. And they have created a community of people who enjoy the same things. And that's one of the great things about STEM education is that you often get that chance to finally meet people who get the same stuff you get. Um, I asked students once to identify some of the differences between popular culture at a school like this um, as opposed to a liberal arts school and some yeah. of the things they self-identified as like, okay, first of all, we own that we're geeks and nerds and we're proud of it. Uh, we all read Harry Potter. We all know all the, the difference between Star Wars and, and you know, all that stuff. Yeah. And uh, those, it's a shared popular culture, a shared set of interests, um, a shared interest in working hard and thinking it's okay to be smart. Mm-hmm. And sometimes in high school, it isn't okay to be smart. Yeah. I, I think that's really cool. I, and, you know, listening to you, this all it makes perfect sense. But I, I got to admit, I was a little surprised by the, um, the comfort that people were experiencing. And, and I'm curious, is part of it that are, are the students identifying themselves as being on the uh, autism spectrum? Or are these people truly just like, hey, this is me, but that doesn't define me. I'm more about the social interests that we were just talking about. And we're coming together based off of that. It's almost always the social interests that bring them together. Awesome. Um, yeah. It's not, I'm autistic, you're autistic. It's like, I'm into gaming, you're into gaming, let's have a gaming group. Yeah. Um, or, I happen to know everything about this particular physics thing, and you can discuss it with me, and you're the first person I've met who can discuss this in a knowledgeable way. Or you get just as geeked out about programming your computer as I do. Now let's have a, an argument about what's the best host system. Right. So it's being able to have those conversations that they haven't been able to have before. Mm-hmm. And I also, you know, I'm not trying to paint an overly rosy picture. There are some people who still aren't going to do socially well. They're still yeah. going to be isolated. They're still going to want to stay in their room and play video games. And there isn't... There isn't going to be that oversight necessarily, making sure they're getting out and doing things. And so while schools try and set up programs to encourage people, um, again, if a student isn't prepared to take part in any of those, isn't prepared to respond when, say, a resident advisor says, come on down, um, we're having a ice cream social this afternoon. Yeah. Come on down and just have a bowl of ice cream. And if the student won't leave the room, then they're going to continue to be isolated. So again, it's that that kind of compromise between where does a family have a student ready to be, positioned to be, and is the student ready to respond to the overtures that are made? And I guess it's also about making, you know, making choices, uh, whether it be the student making a choice as well as the family making a choice of, you know, if a student is excelling academically but is a little bit more isolated socially, how much of a priority is each? And obviously exactly. every individual is, is an individual. You have to balance out who this person is and what they want. Absolutely. And some some students really don't feel a need for the social interaction. And I don't think anybody should be forced to take part in social things. Um, ideally, we'd like people to have um, enough social acumen so that when the time comes to get a job interview, uh, they've practiced some of those skills that are going to help them get through an interview. But yeah. whether or not you want to hang out with people gaming, that's your choice. And yeah. the idea isn't to make everybody conform. It's just I just find it interesting to witness how many people seem to find social interactions who up until coming here never have. Well, I think it just reinforces this idea of 
common interests is the key. You know, we've talked a lot on the show about our younger students and the idea that, you know, just putting a bunch of eight-year-olds together and saying, well, eight-year-olds are supposed to play kickball, so we all need to play kickball may not be right for that one student with uh, autism who we're working with. It may be that that student is much more interested in some other game or some other activity, and we should base the groups off of as much off of that activity and their interests because the more connected they feel like I have common interests with this person, the better friendships that can be formed because that's really the key. It's creating Absolutely. a friendship, not you know what it is they're doing. And that's, yeah. I think that's what's cool about this. Yeah, um, and I'm, I'm all for put, put out a table of Legos. That's what gets people going. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And oddly enough, in, in my mid-30s, I'm still kind of interested in a table of Legos. I'll, like, <laughs> sit down and keep myself entertained with my nephew and be like, oh, let's build Legos. This is great. Um, all right, well, we've got a, a, another commercial break we've got to take. So we're going to take our final commercial break and come back more with Christy uh, talking about a couple final thoughts. We'll be right back. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we see a world where people with autism dream and achieve their full potential. Our promise is to support families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today and let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, supporting extraordinary individuals and their families. Visit autismtherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for our host, Rob, or the guest, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. Uh, final segment here with uh, Christy Oland. Um, again, the behavior analyst in me is coming out. I feel like we, we, we did the before. We did the, uh, the behavior. You know, now we, it's time to get for the after. It's, it's the consequence time. Um, and, and you touched upon it right before the break, the idea of um, preparing the students for job interviews. And I was just kind of curious you know, how you guys prepare and what's the best way or, or, or tips for families out there in, in terms of supporting that preparation of, hey, I'm leaving college, it's time to get a job. Well, first of all, I want to mention that I was really excited to hear that there are some companies interested in talking to you because one of the things we notice is that um, as our career services office, and, and again, mm-hmm. this is a, an office that all schools have now, uh, is preparing students for interviews. The breakdown sometimes happens where you have, say you're going into an engineering firm. The other engineers might understand you, but in order to get into the engineering firm, you have to get through the HR people. And the HR people aren't necessarily used to working with people who are in spectrum. And 
people on the spectrum don't necessarily do a bang-up job in an interview with social expectations, making exactly. eye contact, um, making appropriate comments. And so one of the things that is really helpful and that Career Services is great at working on is doing mock interviews and, and saying, mm-hmm. okay, this is why this is a good response, this is why that response doesn't work, and we just we practice with students. And, again, this is something that families can really encourage. Have you been in to talk to Career Services? Have you had practice interviews? Have you gone to the career fairs that your school sponsors? Because, again, mm-hmm. this is something that schools are doing now. We have two yeah. career fairs a, a year where potential employers come in and will will meet with students, and students can get job interviews right here on campus. Um, But students aren't always prepared for that, and that's something families can encourage. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You just brought a flashback. That's how I got into this field is an on-campus career fair where there happened to be my first job out of college was (laughs) the New England Center for Children happened to be there and said, hey – Let's talk about a career for you. So yep. uh, those those can be, you know, people don't always realize how important those fairs can be and, and how many doors they can even open. Yeah. The other thing that I think is super important these days, um, students are graduating with very similar degrees, and what makes them mm-hmm. stand out are the real-life experiences they have. So mm-hmm. I really think it's important, especially for students on the spectrum, to take advantage of internships and co-ops before they graduate. Um, sometimes I meet students and families who are, because college is expensive, they're in a little bit of a rush to get their students through the program and get them out, and that's a disservice. You need to yeah. let your student take the time to do a couple of internships. So working for a company, not necessarily for pay, but for experience. Um, Sometimes you can get pay, sometimes you'll just get the experience. But those are often the connections that will help a student land a job or the work experiences that will make a student stand out when it comes to a round of job interviews. Are there additional types of supports that need to be considered when you um, are moving into this internship? It, it, again, it's going to depend on the placement and the student. Yeah. Um, a lot of the times there isn't anything additional needed, uh, and it's up to the student whether or not they feel it's important for their employer to understand what it is they're living with. Mm-hmm. I think it's becoming, especially if, if we're talking about something like um, an engineering firm, I don't think there's any reason not to disclose that, to say, mm-hmm. you know, I admit, um, group meetings, not my thing, <laughs> but I'm working <laughs> on it, and I, I welcome... Uh, straightforward feedback that explains to me when I haven't met an expectation because it helps me improve. Yeah. And I wonder, and and this is just my own curiosity, um, if to, you know, I know this is probably school by school, uh, community by community, you know, are there groups on campus where, hey, we we all kind of, we identify ourselves as being on the spectrum and we're all going through a similar experience and maybe talking a little bit about it. I wonder, I know that's kind of contradictory to um, a lot of the, the kids with autism in, the, in their tw- early 20s that I know. But um, I almost wonder, is, like, is there a benefit to that type of support where I can turn to you for a little bit of support because you're going through the job interviews just like I am and sharing experiences about like, hey, you know, I, I did talk about being on the spectrum and it was a, actually a good thing and not a scary thing. Um, I don't know if you have any insight into that or if that's something well, there that you've are, seen. There are, um, if we look across the country, there are a few programs like that. And I'm actually yeah. working with a young woman right now who would like 
to start a similar program on campus. And what I always encounter that I find ironic is that all all the Spectrum students and families tell me the same thing. We really want a social program. We're just afraid to go to it. Um, Mm -hmm. and Or we don't want to be the ones who go to it, but we'd like to benefit from it. It's like, okay, you realize to take part in a social program, you have to show up, right? Sure. Uh, So it's, it's kind of a work in progress. And again, a lot of the students who I think are drawn to STEM education, they want to be known for being really intelligent. They don't mm-hmm. want to be known and identified for having sure. a disability. And some of them will not self-identify um, as a service provider. I might be able to pick people out of a room who are likely on the spectrum, but they may never actually identify as such. Yeah. No, and, and that and that makes sense because, you know, the, the young man I was speaking about um, at the top of the show uh, you know, I, I purposely don't use his name on the show because he actually has said to me, I don't want to be identified. Um, yeah. I, I don't want to be. That's not the label. Um, I, I'm proud of it and I'm proud of who I am, but it's not how I want to be defined. I want to be defined by my work output, by my intellect, by, by all these other things, as you just said. So that makes a lot of sense. I totally get that. Um, well, I worked. W- w- our time is pretty much up. So I. Uh, you know, the, the thing I want to make sure I, I give everyone is um, I know that uh, we talked a little bit about uh, the book that you already released. Um, and if, uh, if people out there are interested, I know it can be found on Amazon. I know I, I, I was able to, to find it and, and pick it up there myself. Um, and are there, if, if folks have any other questions, want any other resources, is there a good way for them to, to follow up and maybe contact you? Yes, I've actually set up a website um, called STEM College at WordPress so that if people do want to contact me, if they want some more information, if they have questions about uh, how students can prepare for college. And again, although I call it STEM College, it's for anybody um, who's thinking about how how am I going to transition my student into the next phase of their life, and I welcome them to contact me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I really, I really enjoyed the conversation. And, you know, as, as I said, it's so cool to have this conversation because it really shows how much potential so many of our kids have, you know, yes, this is not the path that every single kid on the autism spectrum is going to follow or take. But the idea that so many of them already are taking this is just really exciting. So Um, I just really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Oh, thank you. I've enjoyed the conversation. Awesome. Um, All right, gang. I've got a minute left. I've got my my good friend Kevin telling me that's that's all the time we have for today. But, um, you know, with this final minute, um, I I hope all of you guys really were able to get the same thing as I did today. As much as I got really great practical tips about how to support some of the older students I work with and support. Um, I think it's just really cool to think about the possibilities, the potential of our kids. You know, we, we, we sometimes get so focused on the moment and the baby steps, and, and rightfully so, because ABA is about baby steps. So many baby steps that when we turn around and look to see where we started, we're miles away. But it's also good to remember these awesome accomplishments that our kids are capable of and having these ideas because Christy said it a number of times and I, I see it. I agree with it so much that so many of the strategies and tips she gave 
they work fabulously for the STEM college environment, but so many of them would work well in um, any college setting. Just the idea of a community college um, as a maybe a stepping stone to another type of college. Um, I thought that was amazing. Some of the ways to think about supporting your, your student or, or your child at home while they're attending those types of programs, just really great for all of our kids. Um, you know, a couple of other quick thoughts to end on as I, I, I try and ramble through, um, you know, an old show I recommend everyone take a look at or listen to was back in uh, October, uh, October 30th, actually, back in 2012. We talked with Dorothea Lerman about employment options for adults with autism. And I think that could go really hand in hand with what we talked about. So I really recommend you take a listen to that. As always, uh, more info at autismtherapies.com if you have got questions. Um, post your comments, post your feedback, or just post some really great thoughts on our Facebook page. Um, always happy to hear those and read those. You guys make me smile with so many of the clever things you say and the, and, uh, and the inspirational things you say. Um, I hope you guys have a fabulous week, and I will talk to you next time. Take care. We hope you've had some questions about autism answered this week. Autism Spectrum Radio can be heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Please join us for another edition next week. We hope you've had some questions about autism answered this week. Autism Spectrum Radio can be heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Please join us for another edition next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.